Welcome to Insight DeFi Podcast. We bring you insights from inside the world of Bitcoin, DeFi, and crypto. Buckle up and get ready to fly to the moon. That's report of feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. But why some say the moon? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? T-minus 15 seconds. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Ignition sequence starts. Three, two, one. Hello everyone, it's me again, Pascal from Inside DeFi, coming to you with another podcast episode. This time I had the privilege to talk to Pascal Tayarida. Pascal is the CEO of Jarvis Network, and Jarvis is building an on-chain forex market on the blockchain, specifically on Ethereum. And they are enabling international money transfer, fiat money transfer using stable coins. And as Pascal argues in the podcast, although we already have Revolut, Vice, and other fintech startup that enable this, he believes that his blockchain backend infrastructure is more efficient and will thus one day be used by these companies. So have a listen to my talk with Pascal and without further ado, let's go to the podcast. Yeah, hello everyone. It's great to be here with Pascal Talarita. He's from Charvis, which is a very, very interesting protocol or project, but we will hear more about it uh, yeah, shortly from uh, Pascal himself. So Charvis Networks, uh, or Network is also very interesting because it's uh, focusing on stable coins for DeFi, you know, and, and I've been looking into stable coins for quite a while now. And yeah, I'm still looking for, for, for like stable coins also, you know, when it comes to Euro and Swiss stable coins because yeah, I'm Swiss and so uh, this is certainly something I have a need for. And yeah, it was interesting when I came across Jarvis Network that you guys are actually providing this. So we will certainly dive deeper, but maybe just start off, Pascal. Can you quickly introduce yourself and maybe, yeah, sum up how you got into crypto? Yeah. Uh, so. Pascal, thanks for having me. Uh, so, uh, well, my name is Pascal. Uh, I, I'm French. Uh, before crypto, I was a lot into Forex. So, didn't change a lot huh, since now. Yet, uh, we do stable coins, but uh, as you're going to see after, we also do Forex on the blockchain. So, yeah, I started trading Forex uh, when I was 19. I was working also in the Forex industry. I, I had run a YouTube channel uh, where I was educating people also about uh, Forex, uh, investment, risk management, this kind of thing. And how I got into crypto, at some point, I launched uh, a company which uh, goal was to hire uh, traders and to back them. So it means you, you were investing in them, so you were uh, giving them money, basically. And they were trading uh, on, on, on many on the Forex market. And we had to manage their uh, risk. So basically, we at some point, for example, we had 14 traders. They were, you know, buying, selling uh, currencies, and and they and they had an exposure. So for example, they were, you know, buying uh, euros or, or, or Swiss franc. And uh, and we needed to have uh, an overview of the position of everyone and to manage their risk. So we developed a software for that. Uh, and then when we when we are running this software, we are like, hey, maybe we should. Uh, create some plugin uh, for for helping the traders to 
to open a trade, to manage their trade. So basically, a trading platform, uh, but more in, in a form of a plugin. We didn't want, you know, a fully featured platform. So we started to develop this. And then uh, in 2017, we started to hear about uh, crypto. So we, we started trading it for fun. But then we had uh, just an idea one afternoon. We were like, hey, why we don't plug uh, the platform that we have created that works with, uh, you know, Forex market? Uh, on, a, on a centralized uh, exchange like Poloniex. So we did it. And, and, and at the end of the day, what we had, it was a trading platform where you can trade Forex and crypto. And I was like, hey, it should be cool to have one project where you can trade all the market in the world. Uh, but of course, uh, the user experience was a disaster because you have to open an account uh, with a broker and an exchange and you have to connect, you know, with, with the API keys uh, on both platforms, so it was not perfect. So, so suddenly we started dreaming about something else, uh, an interoperable platform where uh, you could trade any market but with a single account. And this is what exactly blockchain can enable. You know, and a blockchain for me, it's a, it's a ledger where you can have all the assets, so stable coins huh, for currencies, so you can trade forex, crypto stocks, everything. So our main idea was to say, hey, let's put all the assets in the world on the same ledger. And like that, people will be able to trade anything with a single account. And this is how we started Jarvis. Uh, for now, we only do stable coins. So I guess we only will speak about this today. But as you have understood, our goal is actually to put more assets on the blockchain to make them fully interoperable and, and that's all. But for now, we focus on, on stable coins, which is already a kind of, you know, a big uh, market and, and a lot of work. Yes, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's where I came came uh, about, uh, you know, yeah, where I came along and then I actually saw Jarvis, you know, and it was, it was because of these stable coins, you know, these J Fiat, uh, how you guys call it, and I think you have J Euro, J Swiss flag, J Pound, and, and, and also Canadian dollar and, and, and Singaporean dollar, you know, so many uh, different fiat currencies are already, like, uh, yeah, uh, represented on your platform. And you also said that you do forex, you know, and maybe for a layman, you know, I would be wondering where is the connection between stable coins and and forex? Can you maybe explain this a little bit, and then maybe from there go into Jarvis and the protocol and and how it actually works? But I would be wondering, you know, stable coins and forex. There seems to be a connection also coming from the traditional markets when it comes to fiat and forex. But maybe you can can elaborate. Yeah. So, uh, so well, first, yeah, we started with stable coins. So we, we represent on the blockchain, uh, national currency. So uh, something very, uh, uh, common like a euro or, or Swiss franc, but also a bit more exotic currencies like, uh, real from Brazil, naira from Nigeria or, or, or pesos from Philippines. And we won't stop here, of course. Uh, we, we have, uh, around 15 currencies right now. So, uh, the thing is, when you launch a stablecoin, you have one big challenge. It's how you can make this stablecoin to be usable. I mean, why, why, I mean, how you, you can make this stablecoin, uh, 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 easy to use, which means that it is liquid so people can buy it easily, sell it easily, uh, uh, and that's all. And to build liquidity for stablecoin is actually complex. It costs money. You, you have to, to speak with professionals who will bring liquidity or you have to ask your own community to bring liquidity. So it's not that easy. 
uh, and it uh, is also the chicken and egg problem because you want user, but before having user, you need liquidity. But to have liquidity, you also need user because you know you, if you have liquidity but no user, at some point the liquidity is leaving because there is no you know trading fees or this kind of thing. So, so the way we design the protocol, I, I can speak about it at a later stage uh, if you are interested in the tech. But at the at the last uh, high overview, uh, let's say, uh, we can convert one of our stablecoin for USDC, which is a, a, an average stablecoin that is not done by us. And USDC happens to be the most liquid USD stablecoin uh, on the blockchain. And that's all. The only features that we have is this. But from these features, you you have a lot of consequences. So the first one is, uh, as I said, a forex uh, market. So forex, it's it's a market where uh, banks exchange currencies, so euro for Canadian dollar, this kind of thing. And uh, you have to understand first what is the point of forex in the real world. So of course, uh, whenever you travel, uh, you know, if you if you if you if you are Switzerland, uh, if you are a Swiss person and you are uh, in in Canada, uh, you will need Canadian dollar. So most likely, you will exchange your Swiss franc for Canadian dollar. This goes through the forex. But there is one use case that is very interesting, uh, and it is uh, to access to foreign uh, securities liquidity. An example, you are a, a Japanese investor, so you have Japanese yen in your bank account, and you want to invest in Apple stock. It could be uh, uh, someone in the world that will be able to sell Apple stock for Japanese yen. But uh, because there is no demand, in Japan for this, uh, most likely it will be very hard for you to find it. So this means that there is no liquidity for Apple versus Japanese yen. But the liquidity is against the American dollar. So what you will do, you will actually use Forex to access American stock uh, liquidity. So you will exchange your Japanese yen for US dollar, and then you use the US dollar to buy uh, Apple stock. So Forex on, on every day is used to... Uh, for, for someone in one country to buy uh, something in another country. Uh, it could be a stock, it could be, you know, petrol, I mean, you name it. So, so, so in, in crypto, as you know, all the liquidity is around the dollar. So Bitcoin, when you check, when you want to buy it, uh, the most liquid markets are, are in dollar. If you are, if you live in Poland and if you want to buy Bitcoin, uh, maybe you, you never notice, but you will buy Bitcoin a bit more expensive than the, if you are buying it with a US dollar. And this is because less liquidity, so bigger slippage, and so on and so on. So, uh, when you, as I said, when you create a stablecoin, you have to create liquidity, uh, usually. So, what we have done, because we have this Forex market on the blockchain, where we can convert one of our stablecoins for USDC, uh, we leverage the liquidity of USDC. So, if you want to buy Bitcoin with our JU or, or J3 rank, since we are speaking about it, we don't need someone to create a market for Bitcoin Swiss rank. What we will do, we will just convert the Swiss rank for USDC. And then we use the USDC to go on an AMM and we exchange uh, the USDC for, for Bitcoin. And this is how we have uh, solved the liquidity issue of stablecoins because we leverage the USDC liquidity. So even if we are launching something uh, uh, which you could expect to have low liquidity, like for example, we we launch uh, the Krona from Sweden, so the the, the JSEC. Uh, you can exchange uh, one hundred thousand dollars of JSEC for uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, any token basically that uh, is on an AMM, and with exactly the same price impact 
than if you are using USDC. And this is basically uh, uh, what we have done. So uh, the cool thing also, another consequence is that since you can exchange uh, JEURO for USDC, and you can exchange USDC for uh, JCAT, then you can also exchange JEURO for JCAT, because you, you just do JEURO to USDC, and then USDC to JCAT, and suddenly you have the possibility to exchange one currency for another one. And remember what I told you before, the, one of the use cases of Forex is when you travel. Uh, so again, you're Swiss, Swiss person, you know, in Canada, you, you will do a Swiss franc to Canadian dollar transaction. But it is also used for uh, remittance. So w when you send money abroad, so again, you are in Switzerland, you want to send money to Canada, you will uh, use a company like uh, Wise or, 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 or Western Union uh, or your bank. So what will happen? At some point, there will be a Forex exchange. So because uh, we can also do uh, Forex exchange on the blockchain, uh, uh, what we have built it can also be used for sending payments uh, across uh, uh, different uh, countries. So yeah, this is basically uh, what we have built on a high level uh, overview. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it's very interesting. I certainly want to get more into detail, you know, shortly. I just want to take one step back, you know, and, and maybe summarize. So, I mean, you said, you know, dollar liquidity is very demand, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, sometimes I ask myself the questions, why aren't there so, or there are like so many US dollar stable coins, but not like Euro, just a few, and then when you go further down the line with other national currencies, you, you don't even have any stable coins, or they're, they're very, uh, uh, illiquid, you know, and, and I think the reason that you said is because, you know, providing liquidity and actually you gathering liquidity costs a lot of, um, yeah, money, you know, and capital upfront probably. And also, you know, there are some network effects probably becoming from the traditional world where the dollar is also like very strong. So is this uh, correct to say, yeah, the, the problem that we have uh, that we don't have that many other stable coins apart from US dollar based stable coin is really that it is a liquidity problem and you are trying to solve this by, by actually leveraging the US dollar liquidity. Is that correct to say? Yeah, it, it's what you said is absolutely correct and it, it's, it's a chicken and egg problem like people don't want to, to create a euro stable coin because they say okay there is no demand so network effect will be hard to reach but again, if, if people think there is no demand, they won't do your stable coin, so there won't be demand. So we have to do it uh, differently. We have to say, okay, there is no demand now, but why there is no demand? Because there is no liquid euro stable coin or there is no liquid uh, Swiss franc stable coin. So, so, so this is why uh, there is no demand. And, and, and basically the idea is to solve this issue by leveraging uh, USDC liquidity. So we designed the protocol in a way that you can always exchange our stablecoin for USDC back and forth. And most importantly, uh, there is no slippage. So what is slippage? Uh, when you have $1,000 of, of, of something, uh, you cannot buy $1,000 of something else on the market because there is always, uh, the, the, you, you can never buy at the price you really want. You will maybe buy at the price a bit higher or you will sell at the price a bit lower. And this depends on the liquidity. So the more participants there is in the market and the easier it is to find someone uh, to who you want to sell what you, you, you want to sell. So so if, if there is a lot of people you can you can maybe find someone to sell a bit lower uh, uh, you know on the price uh, price scale. But if there is uh, not a lot of people, 
then you will need to maybe sell at a lower price because you know people will be at uh, buying at lower prices. So so on our case, uh, we we buy and we sell uh, our stablecoins at the market price. The market price is the official uh, rate. So we take the euro dollar rate from the real world and we say whatever amounts you are trading, you can exchange them at this price. So whether you you you, you exchange one dollar or one million dollar your trade will be executed at this price without uh, slippage. And um, and this is yeah, how basically we we, we tackle uh, those issues. Yeah, this is very interesting. I mean, also from a, from a layman's perspective, yeah, you know, this is something that could maybe sound too good to be true, you know. So, so can you maybe elaborate why is there no slippage and no price impact because from a just logical point of view, one would think when you move from Swiss franc to US dollar to then maybe also, you know, um, Japanese yen or something, there's always a transaction happening and, and so something uh, must must go missing, you know, just a little bit of that uh, transaction amount that you had in, in the beginning, you know. So if you have 1,000 uh, Swiss franc and you want to all move them all over into Japanese yen, uh, going through dollar, uh, isn't there like a price spread and that you won't end up with exactly a thousand um, uh, Swiss franc in, in Japanese yen or, or why is there no price impact? So, uh, I, I, I don't know uh, if I can go to a lot of details because, uh, you know, I, I may lose some people, so I will try to remain simple. Yeah. Uh, so, the way it works is that we have a liquidity pool. And this liquidity pool holds uh, a certain amount of USDC. So let's say it holds 100,000 USDC. When uh, you buy J-Euro, actually, the J-Euro that you are buying doesn't exist uh, before you want to buy it. So what happens is that if you want to buy, let's say, 1,000 J-Euro, 1,000 dollars of J-Euro, first you will send 1,000 USDC to the liquidity pool. And remember the liquidity pool already have, uh, has, uh, uh, for example, $100,000 of USDC. So you send the 1,000 USDC, and when the pool, which is a smart contract, receives it, the pool say, okay, so this person wants to buy J-Euro, I have to create those J-Euro. So what the pool will do, they will take the 1,000 USDC of, uh, I mean, I mean yours, huh, the one that you sent, and they will add their own USDC. So for example, they will add 250 USDC. Then they take your 1,000 plus their 250. So all together, it, it is uh, 1,250 USDC. And the pool will, will take them and deposit them in another smart contract, which is called a, a vault. And they will mint, the, the pool will mint, so will create uh, $1,000 of J-Euro. And to mint $1,000 of J-Euro, the pool will ask to Chainlink, which is the oracle bringing the price of euro dollar on the blockchain, what is the current price of euro dollar? So the pool takes the price of euro dollar, say okay, I receive one thousand dollar, I have to create eight hundred J euros, I will create eight hundred J euros. And what is collateralizing those J euros are the one thousand and two hundred fifty USDC that uh, the pool has uh, gathered from you and from and from her basically. So. So, so the $1,000 of J-Euro has just been created. They are 
backed by 1.2050 dollar of USDC, so it's a collateral ratio of 125%, and then the pool sends you the 800 J euro. So you, as a user, you didn't see all of this. You just sent 1,000 USDC and you received 800 J euros. So you, you are happy because it's the price, you know, the euro dollar price, there was no slippage and so on. From the pool perspective, it was a bit more complex. They received your money, then they added a bit of money from their pocket, they created a new J euro and they sent it to you directly. And of course, there is a small fee, so it's not exactly a that you send $1,000 and you receive $1,000 worth of J-Euro, there is a small fee of, of 0.1%. So uh, that goes to the pool to, to basically pay the, for, for, for its work. And, uh, and that's all. So then the thing is, okay, what happened now if the price of Euro-Dollar goes up? So if the price of Euro-Dollar goes up by 10%, you still have your 800 J-Euros, and your 800 J-Euros are now worth uh, 1.1,000 USDC. So... If you want to sell them, what you're going to do, you send them back to the pool. And this time you say, I, I want my USDC back. So the pool will check the price of your dollar and say, okay, now this person is actually entitled to 1.1,000 USDC because the price has increased. So they will take 1.1,000 USDC from the initial 1.2,050 USDC that were used to mint the J-Euro send it to you, and the rest, so the 150 ADC, uh, the pool will keep it. So in this operation, the pool has lost money. The pool has lost 150, uh, 100 USDC, and you, of course, you have won it. Uh, you have earned the 100 USDC. So this is how, basically, the, it works. So when the price goes up, the pool is losing money. When the price goes down, the pool is winning money. And the next question, question could be, okay, and what happens if the user is supposed to win... Uh, more than 250 USDC. What if the 800 J euros are now worth uh, 1.3,000 USDC? Then th there won't be enough money behind the J euros because if you remember, the, behind the J euros, there are only 1.2,050 USDC. So to prevent this kind of uh, things to happen, when the price of your dollar goes up, at some point, there is a level where we, we tell to the pool, look, uh, here we are coming dangerously close to don't have enough money to, to back uh, the J-Euro. So you have two choices. Either you have to add more money into the vault, so the pool will withdraw some USDC. For example, the pool will take 200 USDC more and will add them into the vault to, to, to over-collateralize against the J-Euro. Or the pool will not do anything. And if the pool doesn't do anything, then the position will be liquidated. And, and this, if this works like uh, on Aave or, or MakerDAO. So... It's someone who will basically uh, pay back the debt of the liquidity pool. So someone who will replace the liquidity pool uh, uh, in order to uh, maintain the collateral uh, uh, behind the J-Euro uh, above a certain threshold. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that, 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 that also makes sense. But then as you explain now, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the price impact is more when it comes to these market uh, uh, trades that uh, are, uh, are done between, you know, the different, yeah, let's not call them counterparty, but, you know, between the different stable coins, you know, but it's not for free in the sense that you as a user, you, you pay a small fee to the liquidity providers, you know, you have no slippage, but still you, you pay, pay an amount to, 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 pay them for the service, uh, correct, right? Because 
my next question then, the liquidity providers, they would need to be incentivized somehow to, to do this because as I understand it, they bring uh, also some of the liquidity uh, as well from their side and, and, and also, you know, when, when, when you get close to a liquidation threshold, they are asked to stack up and bring more collateral. Is that correct uh, or is it the user then? Yeah, so, so the liquidity pool is actually uh, uh, supplied by liquidity providers. So the liquidity providers, you are right when saying they are the counterparty, it is correct. So, so they have to add, uh, you know, they have to, to click on a button to, to add more uh, liquidity. So they take it from the pool and they add it to, uh, to the collateral uh, vault. And if they don't do it, they are liquidated. And, uh, and if you are liquidated, you, you lose money, uh, as a liquidity provider. So, so may maybe I, I have to explain how does the liquidation work. So, but yeah, it's a bit complex for the one who uh, doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, a habit to, to with DeFi. Uh, so, so remember that you have bought 800 J euros, but the 800 J euros have been created by, by the liquidity pool. So the liquidity pool, you have to think that she has a debt of 800 J euros and there, and there are 1.2050 USDC behind those 800 J euros. So then if, if you, if the, the position can be liquidated, what will happen is that someone comes and see that, uh, the position is, uh, dangerously close to uh, a certain threshold. So what this someone will do, they will buy 800 J euros. So they, they can buy it either from the pool again, but they can also buy it from elsewhere. You know, the, the J euros is, is also listed on, on some exchanges. Uh, so, so you can also buy it from somewhere else. So, so this person buys, uh, 800 J euros. So, so that means the system, uh, uh, I mean, the best to understand is that they, she, the, they buy it from the pool. So, so that means the system, what there is, they, they are not anymore 800 J euros, but 1.6 thousand J euros. And there is, uh, 1.2 thousand, uh, the, uh, 1.1250 dollars of collateral for the first 800 J euros. And plus, this new person have deposited uh, collateral uh, to so 1.2 thousand again uh, to to collateralize those new 800 euros, and and you have to understand that this person have just uh, 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 bought those new 800 euros, so the pool has just created a new vault with one with a, a new 1.2050 USDC. So then uh, the liquidator, what they will do, they will burn the 800 J euros that they have <coughs> minted. And in exchange of this burn, they will get back all the collateral of the, uh, of the first, uh, of the first vault. And, and from the point of the system, what happened is that before there were 800 J euros collateralized by 1.2050 USDC, but those 800 J euros were worth, uh, uh, one point, uh, for example, I don't know, 1.2000 but now, uh, thanks to the liquidation, there is still 800 J euros, but, uh, those 800 J euros are, are collateralized by more USDC than, than before. So the system is, let's say, safe. I know it's a bit complicated, uh, if you don't know how liquidation works and so on. Uh, but yeah, it, it is, uh, how, how it works behind the scene. Yeah. Yes, exactly behind the scene. Well, I mean, that, that's interesting. I mean, from, from a user's perspective, that, uh, what I don't really get yet is, you know, who is really having the risks, you know, and, and is, is bearing the risks 
is it the liquidity provider or is it then also you know the users itself or could you maybe uh, elaborate on this you know from a user perspective when you use uh, your your protocol and you have for example j swiss franc or j euros what are the risks you are faced with yeah so so the end user the one who holds the j euro they don't face uh, risk per se uh, the one hold, uh, bearing all the risk are of course uh, the liquidity provider and and the liquidity uh, uh, pool uh, so if you are a liquidity provider, usually you are someone who is a savvy uh, investor. So you have two possibilities. Either you don't do anything. So you are a liquidity provider and you just wait. If the price goes up, you lose money. If the price goes down, you win money. But, you know, that's all. So if you want to actually optimize your uh, your yield, what you have to do is that you have to hedge. So when someone buys J-Euro from you, you actually sell the J euro as a liquidity pool, which means that you have a short exposure. So if the price goes down, you make money. If the price goes up, you lose money. So what you should do is to analyze the market, the euro dollar market, and to try to to feel uh, if it will go down according to you, or it will go up, or if you don't know. If you think that if you don't know, and or if you think that it goes up, the best is to protect yourself. So what you would do, you will open. Uh, a, a long position on a broker to 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 basically cover your risk. If you think it will go down, you don't do anything and and you just you know make money as the price goes on. So market makers are supposed to be active and to protect their exposure when according to the price of your dollar. Of course, I don't expect all the liquidity providers to do this because uh, not all of them will be you know savvy or or will know how where to hedge, you know, to use a forex broker, this kind of thing. But this is what they're supposed to do. But they also earn you know, trading fees. And in our V2, liquidity providers will also win uh, uh, yield on the collateral uh, because all the USDC that are collateralizing the, the system, right now they are just in our smart contract. But in our V2, uh, those USDC will be deposited into uh, Aave to earn additional yield. And all those yield will go to the liquidity providers. So just to give some numbers, okay. uh, we launched the protocol on Polygon uh, in October. Uh, we and, and, and we have only one liquidity provider for now. And the yield since October, uh, just with the training fees, it's uh, wait. I have to open the <coughs> the, the the application. So don't say uh, uh, something wrong. So the fees earned to date, it's uh, 10%. So 10% since uh, October. Uh, so let's say that we are in March. So it's almost six months. So yearly, just with the training fees, it's 20%. Uh, so yes, liquidity providers, they take... For providing stable coins. Yeah, yeah, just for providing stable coins. And this is just training fees. Huh? It's not uh, yield or liquidity money and this kind of thing. Then, uh, of course, yeah. there is... Uh, the market uh, crashed uh, since uh, October. So, in addition to those $110,000 of, uh, of fees which have been earned, and the liquidity provider, they have invested $1.1 million in liquidity. Uh, so, also, there is, a, since the market has uh, went down, uh, there is also a profit of uh, $136,000 because, you know, the liquidity provider has sold, so we have a short exposure. But, but this... We don't count it uh, in the in the in the yield because it's 
know, when the market goes up, you, you lose. When it goes down, you, you, you win. And, and, and it depends if people are closing their position. So the only thing that is very, you know, concrete is the trading fees. And again, it, it will be around the 20% per year of, of fees. And, uh, if you add the yield that, uh, uh liquid trader will earn on Aave, you can easily add, uh, 10 to 20% more. So we, we do think that liquid traders can earn from 20 to, uh, let's say 40% per year just with those, uh, those things. So this is how we attract them and we say, okay, you take the risk, but uh, you can make, you know, around, uh, let's say 30% to, to give uh, an average uh, uh, per year. Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting that you're actually, with Drivers Network, you know, really relying on incentives, you know, you incentivize the liquidity provider to come to your platform, you know, and they get the yield and also the fees, you know, and that's where they profit, but then you also, also, like, unload all the risks onto them, and because if they uh, misbehave, uh, they can see that their protocol Uh, that, that, I mean, the, the risk that they ultimately face is that they don't uh, do things right, and then, for example, you know, they don't hedge themselves, they lose on some positions, or they can also be liquidated, right? Is is that uh, yeah. the risk that they are facing? You know, that the liquidity pool is getting liquidated and they lose some money. But then, um, if, if they actually get liquidated, you know, what happens uh, with the user? I mean, you said there's no risk per se for the end user. But if like a, a huge amount of, of liquidity providers would get liquidated, that would certainly also affect uh, the end user, right? So um, there is some risk for them as well, like a systemic one. Or can you elaborate on this? Yeah. So, so for example, let's say that you 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 buy a die uh, from Uniswap, uh, and the person who has traded this die is liquidated. Uh, so you as a user. You don't care, you won't see it. You still have the die and the die is still worth something. So for us, it's the same. Uh, the JUO that you hold, if someone is liquidated, it won't change anything for you. The collateral behind it won't change. It's just that the, the one liquid squadron will lose money, basically. Uh, but it won't have consequences for, for you as a holder. You still have your, your stable coin yeah. that you, that yeah, you actually have. Yes. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's 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 very interesting. Yeah. So I mean, as an end user, the risk could potentially be that you say, well, USDC could be a risk to you. You know, if you're like, okay, I want to have a decentralized stablecoin, but USDC is actually, you know, a fiat-backed stablecoin, so you have some connection to a counterparty there. You know, and that could be an argument. You know, that an end user could have, and uh, that's why maybe. At some point, I don't know, have you been thinking about integrating some sort of decentralized stablecoin like LUSD or, or, or something else? You know, that would be a question. And, and then the other one would just be, you, you know, that the whole system in itself would fail. But uh, so far, I mean, it, it, it stood up pretty well. So maybe uh, you have some thoughts uh, here uh, towards decentralized stablecoins that could as another form of collateral. Yeah, so the problem is, uh, of course, I would love huh, if we could use decentralized stablecoin. But the problem with decentralized stablecoin is that uh, they have a lot of technical risk and they have very low liquidity. And uh, all our system relies on uh, using a highly liquid uh, uh, USD stablecoin, which keeps uh, their peg, uh, is liquid, and, and, and also is uh, well integrated in uh, various fiat on and off ramp because on some use cases it's very useful for us 
uh, to have this kind of thing. So the problem is that uh, I would love yet to use maybe DAI or, or LUSD and so on, but not liquid enough. Uh, USDC is the only stablecoin which is present in almost all the blockchain and which is liquid in almost all the blockchain. And this is why we decided to, to let's say, to trade the, the, the decentralization for a bit more, uh, let's say, stability and, I would say, security. Uh, but, of course, yes. it's a big threat to the protocol because if tomorrow, you know, regulator wakes up and say, oh, uh, I, I want uh, no USDC to DeFi, you know, if Circle can, can freeze uh, an address, I mean, can freeze the, the USDC in an address. So this, of course, could be a, a problem. So our reasoning is the following. Uh, this won't happen in one day. Like, I, I won't wake up one day with a tweet saying, oh, by the way, we decided to freeze uh, the USDC on, on every uh, protocol that is not compliant. This will happen over, you know, a few days or a few weeks, if not a few months. So, so it means that we have time to exchange uh, the, the collateral from USDC to DAI, for example, or, or for another stablecoin. Uh, and there is also another possibility. Uh, it's for us to create our own USD stablecoin uh, using the same pool design that we have, but with ETH. So basically, the liquidity pool will hold Ether uh, instead of uh, USDC, and people will be able to mint uh, our JUSD uh, using uh, ETH, and our JUSD will be fully decentralized and could be used uh, to collateralize, you know, euros and this kind of thing. But honestly, I would prefer that. Uh, we, we keep using USDC and that uh, regulation won't be too strong uh, on that. Yes, yeah, yeah, but interesting that you have already thought about this and these kind of scenarios. So maybe you have also some thoughts on the future of this then, you know, do, would you, could you in, in the envision a future where this changes, you know, and where like these decentralized stablecoin get like the liquidity and also the functionality that they need to, to, to be used in, in a protocol like Jarvis, you know, because I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, it's just not, not uh, yeah usable at at the current stage because there's not enough liquidity and also the on ramps are not really there. But would you see a future where this could change and and actually these kind of more decentralized crypto backed stablecoins could could uh, supplant like fiat backed stablecoins or will this never really change? I think it will it will change if uh, regulation strikes. You know we we don't uh, care about decentralization until we need it, uh, and we will need it if regulation uh, is very strict. So until we don't have clue of how strict the regulation will be and, and where the regulation will be strict, because maybe in Europe we're going to have, you know, something very, very strict, but maybe not in the US or, or elsewhere. So so it, it really all depends on that. But for sure, uh, it's a dream of many people in DeFi to build this kind of decentralized, uh, you know, stablecoin which keep their peg and so on and so on. But uh, the problem is that uh, is it is it does it is it what the market wants? Like, yeah, DeFi people are a niche. Huh? We, we are a small amount of, of of people. There are many wealth that you know have a lot of monies money. But but all the other users, the normal users, that I don't know if they care about decentralization. They just care about the end result, you know, the, the feature. So it will be also the market who decides. Uh, right now, the market, it's, it's clear. Huh? They want USDT. Mm -hmm. They want USDT. I mean, this is where the, the best yields are coming from. This is the, the most widely spread stablecoins uh, in many protocols. 
So for now, it is what it is. Mm, yes, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 good. Good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, from a practical practical point of view, one could think that. Uh, I mean, that's how I approach. You know, I would uh, think that a Swiss stablecoin, a Swiss uh, denominated stablecoin, could be of of great use. You know, because also Switzerland, you know, is known as a politically stable country. You know, with a actual with a hard currency vis-a-vis -vis other other fiat currencies. You know, and we also keep that as I hear that keep on hearing that from from people. You know, who say, yeah, the Swiss franc is actually appreciating because so many foreigners are actually buying into the Swiss franc uh, as as the currency hedge. You know, and as a, as a sort of inflation hedge. So I mean, um, the J um, Swiss franc it could actually be be held. You know by investors, but then as we elaborated, there are some risks, you are still somehow um, yeah, at the risk of, of the US regulator doing something to USDC, so maybe it's not the ideal solution yet for people who really want to have exposure to the Swiss franc and want to want to see it as an inflation hedge, but they, they have this risk that we now elaborated on. Uh, maybe you can say something to this, and then if not, I mean, is there any other use cases then where I could use the J Swiss franc, you know, on Polygon, maybe can I farm with it, because that's really what I wonder, um, um, is there any use cases I can use these stable coins for, apart from, from having them as a sort of inflation hedge, uh, for example, which the Swiss franc is usually uh, used for also in, in the traditional world, you know? So first, uh, for the first question, there is something you said, uh, it's uh, about the US. So th those are my uh, takes. Uh, but what I feel is that, you know, the, the American, they have this uh, tendency to want to uh, control everything in the world. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the, the, you know, uh, what's happening right now in Ukraine, uh, it, it, it may be also a consequence of this. Uh, but what I see is that they, they know that crypto and blockchain will not die. I mean, it's impossible to kill it. The, the movement is here to stay. And most likely it will grow and grow and grow. And, and so, so because they, I think they know that this will happen, their best interest is actually to make sure that USDC, which is an American stablecoin, I mean, it's circle, uh, American company, uh, I think they are even listed on stock exchange, remains the, the biggest one. So, I don't see a scenario where uh, the U.S. would like to basically kill uh, the, the the things around the USDC. I, I, I will see more that they want the USDC to become so big that it can even become a legal tender or something like that. You know, so so of course this is my maybe naive uh, vision about uh, USDC, but uh, yeah. So so this is the first thing. Uh, then about uh, what to do with, uh, with Swiss franc? I mean, just Swiss franc. So. First, uh, we have uh, worked with Montpellerin to create um, uh, a zero fee, so one-to-one -one fiat on and off ramp. So if you have uh, a Swiss franc, you can go from your bank to, to Polygon and from Polygon to your bank, but also on BSC, I mean BNB, because now they change their name. So you can go from your bank to BNB back and forth uh, at a one-one ratio. So you have 10,000 uh, Swiss franc, you receive 10,000 uh, uh, synthetic Swiss franc on Polygon on BNB. Then uh, on Polygon, you, you, you can you can of course sell your Swiss franc for another currency for Bitcoin. You can you can buy whatever you want, or you can also earn a yield. So right now there is only one uh, source of yield that, that you can earn is uh, it, it's if you provide liquidity against USDC on on Kyber. Kyber it's an AMM. So you have to deposit your Swiss franc. Uh, first you have to sell a Swiss uh, a bit of Swiss franc for USDC, 
and then you deposit both the USDC and the Swiss franc. And right now, I think it pays around 16% uh, per year of uh, yield. So it's, it's not bad at all. Uh, and, uh, and, and why we, the, the question that people should ask is, okay, I understood that with Jarvis, I can, I can buy and sell, uh, Swiss franc directly with the liquidity pool of Jarvis without slippage and so and so on. So why should we list, uh, Swiss franc on an AMM or on Kyber? What's the point? So the point is that, uh, first, you always need different source of liquidity. The more liquidity source you have, the better. So, of course, the best liquidity source remains Jarvis, and this is where most of the trade happens. But it's very strategic to have multiple uh, sources uh, for a few things. So, the first reason is that when you have multiple sources, you have different prices. So, sometimes the price on Kyber is different than our own price. Sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's better. So, so this is pretty cool because it allows arbitragists to, uh, you know, buy on, a, on the lower venue and sell on the, on, the, on the most expensive one. They make profit, the protocol makes profit because there is a trading activity. So liquidity providers on our, smart, on our protocol is happy. And then if someone wants to buy or sell Swiss franc, again, sometimes the price is better on, on, on one source. So maybe sometimes the trade won't, go, won't happen on our uh, smart contract, but on an AMM. Another reason is that um, we want, of course, uh, J-Swiss franc to, to grow in DeFi. And for that, uh, if you want to list it on an AMM, uh, on, a, on a money market like Aave, for example, uh, what Aave will look uh, is if you have a lot of uh, volume and activity. If all the activity is only on your smart contract, most of the protocol, they will consider that you don't really have activity. So it's important to have uh, liquidity and activity outside of your own protocol to show that, yeah, this token is really used, uh, it has an activity and this kind of thing. And the last one, which is a bit stupid, but... Uh, CoinGecko, for example, they they can't uh, take data from our smart contract. CoinGecko can only take data from AMM. So, so for example, if we want to have a page with our Swiss franc on CoinGecko, on CoinMarketCap, or, or even in a wallet, uh, they will use a price fit from an AMM, uh, not from our smart contract. So if, if we want a price, we need an AMM, and this is also why we, we listed uh, uh, the token there. Mm, okay, yeah, interesting, yeah. That's very, very nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see that, 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 that these points, you know, that it would be nice to have DeFi, you know, uh, accept, uh, or, or recognize, you know, more, more different, uh, types of stable coins also denominated in, in, in other currencies, you know, uh, but is there any, like, um, use case that you see that goes beyond, like, just liquidity provision, you know, when it comes to DeFi and, and, and on MMAs, can you envision, because you said in the beginning that you're not only targeting, like, synthetic stablecoin now, as you have with, with these JFIATs, but also, you know, potentially other, other uh, tokenized assets, and maybe could there be some use cases coming in, or just generally, what sort of other use cases do envision do you envision for 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 something like Chase with Frank in the future? You know. So there are two use cases. Uh, so let's say that the regulation is okay. Uh, so let's say that everything is okay and, and we can work. Uh, uh, you know, we want being uh, harassed. So there are two use cases. So the first one is uh, to use Jarvis as a way to access liquidity and yield from any currency in the world. So if you have uh, Indian rupee, if you have Swiss franc, if you have Canadian dollar, you should be able to buy at the best price ever any uh, digital asset. So this is how uh, uh, we combine fiat on and off ramp, like Mont Pelerin, 
with our liquidity uh, system, uh, where, as I said, you you, can, you you access the USDC liquidity. So this use case, uh, it's actually it can be used by other uh, application as some kind of backend or infrastructure. You have to understand that what we are building is a liquid infrastructure to to go from any stable coin, so any currency, to any other token. And this infrastructure could be used by exchanges, brokers, wallets, uh, to provide their users with uh, access to, to liquidity and yield. The second thing uh, that may be less sexy, but it's also a very big market, it's what I said at the beginning, it's a remittance, so it's a cross-border payments. So here again, we are building a specific infrastructure to support uh, uh, moving money from one country to another one at a way cheaper price uh, than uh, uh, any existing solution. So this infrastructure is, is a bit more complex than just uh, what I have described until now because it involves many different protocols, actually not many, but two or three different protocols, including our Jarvis uh, protocol. And also uh, it includes a, a, a local fiat uh, on and off ramp uh, so I can give you an example of the infrastructure. So the first thing you need for uh, for emittance is uh, what it's called a fiat-backed stablecoin. So we do synthetic stablecoin. So our JEO is collateralized with USDC. And fiat-backed stablecoin, they are collateralized with fiat. So let's take the example uh, of uh, Canada and Switzerland because it's what happened, uh, happened two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, someone wanted to send money from Switzerland to Canada. Instead of using WISE or Revolut or whatever, uh, they have used uh, Montpellier. So first, they have bought J3 franc with Montpellier. So this is the first, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the first uh, piece in the chain. Then they have converted J3 franc for JCAD on our exchange at uh, without price impact. So they, I think it was five hundred dollars of Swiss franc. So. 500 dollar of Swiss franc became 500 uh, synthetic Swiss franc, which then became uh, around 500 dollar of, of, of JCAT, so our Canadian dollar. Then we we have we are using another protocol which is called Curve. So what we try to do is to have all our uh, uh, stablecoin paired with a fiat-backed stablecoin equivalent on Curve. So we have JCAT, which is our synthetic Canadian dollar, and we have created a pool on Curve with CATC, which is a uh, a Canadian dollar stablecoin backed by a real Canadian dollar in Canada. And and what is uh, what, what is this enable? So if you have JCAD, you can convert them for CATC in the curve pool. And then when you have CATC, you can uh, exchange them for a real Canadian dollar with a company in Canada, which is called Paytree. So let, let's let's do the route again. So it starts with Montpellier to go from Swiss franc to uh, the blockchain with uh, our, our Swiss franc. Then you convert it for Canadian dollar, our Canadian dollar. Then, then you swap it on, on curve for the CATC, so the fiat back Canadian dollar. And then you use Paytree to go from, again, the blockchain to the bank. So this, we were cheaper than WISE. Of course, it was not as easy as WISE. Huh? I mean, in WISE, you know, it's two clicks and that's all. Here, it was multiple steps. You have the gas to play, to pay and so on. But remember that it's an infrastructure, which means that the technology is complex, but it's a backend and People in the future, entrepreneurs and so on, they are supposed to to see the value of this and to build uh, a one-click application on the top of it. So you you will just send Swiss franc. The other person will receive uh, Canadian dollar almost instantly. But then uh, everything that is uh, you know the, the route inside will be taken care of by by this uh, intermediary, this broker, let's say.
And mm -hmm. I, I was very excited to, to have seen this, and, and this is one use case that is enabled by the combination of curve, fiat back stablecoin, uh, uh, fiat on and off ramp, and, and Jarvis. Yeah, it's very interesting that you now explained and very well, you know, the route and then also how these protocols all work together. And you would say, you know, as you said, it's kind of like a backend. So do you imagine a world where like the, the, the Revoluts and the TransferWise or the device uh, companies will one day use this backend, you know, because it's just cheaper? And, and maybe can you quickly elaborate again from a high level uh, perspective? Where exactly it is cheaper, and, 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 and then also would you, because if it's cheaper one day, I would imagine, as you said, savvy entrepreneurs, or maybe also the revolution advice of this world would switch to such a backend infrastructure because it's just a better, more, uh, better technology, you know? Yeah, so the thing is, uh, well, it, it, yeah, as you said, it, it's supposed to be a backend. Uh, people are supposed to build on the top of it. Uh, but, you know, uh, when you create something, the technology, sometimes it's easier to actually build the application yourself uh, because, of course, there are a few people who follow what we do. They see uh, how it can benefit their business, like we, we are discussing with uh, one broker in, in Switzerland, one OTC desk uh, in, in Malta, uh, but, you know, just discussion. So maybe at some point uh, we will need uh, us to build those applications, at least to showcase and then maybe, you know, someone will buy the application, you know, uh, uh, the infrastructure will stay, of course, because it's on the blockchain, it can't be bought, huh? it's decentralized technology. But the application layer on the top could be, you know, a normal company, could be acquired and so on. So, so this basically is the plan is uh, to to show to the world, if no one is doing it, uh, instead of us, that you can re-leverage technology, uh, like, what, like we have done, uh, in order to uh, to improve many processes. So... If Revolut doesn't use our technology, as I said, someone else will do it, or will do it, mm -hmm. and one day Revolut and Son will just open their eyes and say, okay, DeFi as a backend is actually more efficient than CeFi. And I just don't, not only speak about Jarvis, you know, as a whole, DeFi is way more efficient. For example, there is a very interesting, uh, uh, data set that w was published, uh, maybe a few days ago, a few weeks ago. Uh, so it's how much it costs to run uh, 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 for example, uh, BlackRock, uh, compared to Wyon. Now, Wyon is, uh, is uh, this yield aggregator that allows people to earn yield. So, BlackRock is, is like a hedge fund. Uh, and, and they compare the number of employees and the number of revenues, uh, uh, and value that they generate. And they compare the same thing for compound, which can be assimilated to a bank, with an actual bank, like JP Morgan. They also, uh, uh, how to say, they also, um, compare Uniswap, which is an exchange, with uh, uh, the Nasdaq, which is also an exchange, or, 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 or any other exchange in the world. And every time what you see is that it is super cheap to run a, a DeFi protocol, yet uh, they are as efficient in terms of volume than their uh, centralized equivalents. I mean, Uniswap is, is doing billions of dollars of volume, compound billions of dollars of loans, Wire on billions of dollars on investment and on yield, yet they, they are run by maybe, I don't know, five to ten people, uh, and, and it doesn't cost a lot of money to run them. So DeFi is way more efficient than CeFi, especially as a backend, and one day or another one, uh, everyone will realize this, and they will just, mm. uh, start using DeFi as a backend, and I, I see this as a trend that actually has started, and, uh, 
it will not surprise me if this year or next year in the worst case, a new bank like Revolut will say, <coughs> okay, now you can invest in Aave uh, from Revolut. Uh, so so uh, the Revolut will, will whitelist uh, uh, their smart contracts uh, into Aave. Uh, uh, maybe you don't know, but Aave, they have launched an you know, institutional version of Aave where, where there is a whitelisting and so on. And they will allow their users to deposit their, uh, their USDC and their USD euro and so on right into Aave to, to start earning, earning yield. And uh, I, I met with... Um, with someone, uh, a bit, it was, it was around, around Christmas. It's a French guy and he works for, a, a, a bank in, in France. It's a, it's a famous bank. Not, not the, not the biggest one, but it, it's, a, it's another big one. And he's a city developer and I asked him, but what, what do you do for them? Uh, I, I know that banks are interested in smart contracts. So I was expecting him to tell me, ah, oh, we do um, a smart contract to do settlement. No, he told me something even more exciting, Tommy, I'm building a smart contract for allowing the client of the bank to deposit stable coins into Curve in a compliant uh, manner. So it's already happening, and and, 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 and and then I won't be surprised that, yeah, Revolut and so on at some point, they will use what we are building right now or what our competitors are building to uh, have better process and improve their services. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's very, very exciting and very interesting. And I think that the research that you mentioned, you know, you have to send it to me so I can later on link it and also in the show notes for people to read. Because, yeah, that's, I think, uh, that's one of the bigger benefits, you know, as you mentioned. Uh, it's just more efficient and, 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 uh, incumbent players will one day recognize this and then in the back end onboard and, uh, onto these DeFi protocols. So, and, and, and things that you're building are very, important building blocks in that regard. So it's very, very interesting. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to really explain this all, you know. So maybe as a last question, then I would really be wondering, you know, as a user now, as an end user, maybe just like me, you know, uh, who is not somebody like Revolut who will then maybe operate the backend, but what, I'm, what an end user who actually wants to use a J Swiss franc or J whatever fiat uh, stablecoin you know, uh, how can they do this? Uh, through what application can they buy uh, this? Uh, it's uh, probably something uh, with more better uh, when you're coming from Switzerland, but can you maybe quickly walk us through the Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so for now, I may, maybe when people will listen, it will change because there, there, there is a new product that will be launched in, uh, I don't know, six to seven days uh, for buying a uh, the chat, but for now, uh, you just have to download the wallet of Montpellerin. So you go to their website, uh, so Montpellerin, uh, NT Pellerin, uh, and, and you download their wallet. It's non-custodial. Uh, so you can either, of course, import, uh, your seed or generate a new seed. I mean, you know, the, the usual thing. And then, uh, if you want to use their OTC service, so to buy crypto with fiat and fiat to crypto, uh, you just have to pass a KYC or a KYB if you are a company. Uh, and as soon as it's done, it's a matter of hours, if no days, depends. Uh, you, you, you just send them any euros, any amount of euros or Swiss rank or Canadian dollar or Singapore dollar, uh, what else we have also, uh, uh, British pounds and soon uh, a bit more currencies. You send them this to their accounts. And again, in the coming hours, I mean, when the, the, the wire is received, of course, they send you the equivalent amount in uh, J Euro, J CAD, uh, J SGD, and so on and so on, LGD. And that's all. And then you have 
those uh, tokens in your wallet and then you can use uh, wallet connect uh, in the bridge wallet to sell them for bitcoin on 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 uh, on paraswap for example which is an exchange where uh, our jfiat are listed uh, or you can earn yield uh, on bfi so b double uh, e uh, com, where uh, you can earn the yield i was mentioning before on swiss franc and so on mm -hmm. and uh, that's all is, is, is there like a, a website where you can see what opportunities there are or is it like in the bridge wallet itself, you know, that uh, leads you to these um, venues where you can use it or how do I know where I can use it, you know? Yes, the best is to go on Diffy. Uh, so it's true that we don't have a, a website where you can see everything. This is actually a good idea to, to do in the future. But, you know, for now we are more technology provider. We still don't focus a lot on applications layer, so it's still a bit messy for uh, people who are not initiated. So the easiest way for me is just to remember uh, free stuff, it's uh, so Montpellier Ring, Paraswap, uh, and uh, Orgeris Exchange, uh, and uh, Bifi, and that's all. Okay, yeah, I will probably link them in the show notes as well, yeah, because that is something we haven't talked about, but the technology thing is one thing, you know, but also education and then also for people to actually to know, uh, yeah, where they can use and where they can go, because there, as you said, there's so many protocols and, and, and you've got to know that it's on Paraswap or that you need to move on, on, on Polygon and, and obviously, yeah, once you're in there, uh, there's quite a lot to do. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that would certainly be something uh, to come up with in the future, to have like a place where where, where it leads you and, and you know uh, what you can do with, with, with the things that you uh, now have in your wallet, yeah. Well, uh, Pascal, thank you, thank you very much for your time and for the very great explanations. I think, uh, yeah, we've talked almost for one hour, so I think uh, we need to cut it here, uh, and that's great. Uh, thank you for your time, and uh, is there anything you want to say, or where can people go to follow you and Jarvis and, and just to get to know more about the project and what's to come? Yeah, so uh, the best is to go on jarvis.network. Uh, there is everything you, you need. There is links to uh, our, the, our, our application uh, where you can see the yield, link to our exchange, link to all the applications that have integrated uh, our JFIAT, a link to our data analysis dashboard also, link to our documentation, our code base, I mean, literally everything, link to our community also, you know, Discord, Telegram. So, yeah, this is the place uh, to, to, to go. Yeah, great. Well, thank you very much. That's great. We will also try to link to everything in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, thank you again. Uh, and have a good night in Switzerland. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, we can see that many more things are coming from your side. And it's interesting that you're building and actually doing these uh, DeFi infrastructure, which is so, so much needed. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pascal. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by InsightDeFi.com. Make sure to follow us so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to support us, rate the show, and don't forget to like and subscribe to our social media channels. See you next time.